Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden and you're listening to Queer Stories, the podcast for the LGBTQIA Storytelling Night I host and program in Sydney and Melbourne. This week, Peter Polites is a writer of Greek descent and associate director of Sweatshop Writers Collective. His first novel, Down the Hume, was published by Hachette. I'm excited to be publishing a collection of stories from Queer Stories, also with Hachette, later in 2018. Peter performed at the Western Sydney Queer Stories I hosted at Riverside Theatre Parramatta for Sydney Mardi Gras. Greek lesbians do the best zebekiko. <laughs> I learned this in my 20s when I went to the Greek and gay group, GAG. <laughs> I also learned that Greek gays are just as gross as straight bros. The men would say, welcome to GAG, and after saying the acronym, they would make a choking sound. <laughs> the meetings were held after work hours and started in the dark. They were never signposted. There was an unacknowledged secrecy around them. People would park their cars down the street from the community centre. Afterwards, no one would hang out the front talking. Going to gag reminded me about an old nursery rhyme my mum used to sing to me. In the nursery rhyme, children would ask the moon to show them the way to school. The nursery rhyme was a few hundred years old. The lyrics originated during the Ottoman occupation of Greece and the song was a memory about a time when children used to go to school at night to learn their language. The reason they went to school at night was because learning Greek was banned under penalty of death. I used to look up to the moon to show me the way to gag and at the time I went searching for my own personal hoplite slash soccer player but gag was frequented by lesbians and gay men in their 30s who still lived at their parents' homes. <laughs> the umbilical cord strangles the Greek children of the diaspora. <laughs> and the meetings always descended into what looked like shouting matches but were just talking. <laughs> Even though we were different from the heteroparental units, we still managed to maintain what outsiders would call stereotypes and insiders would call traditions. <laughs> I didn't find a hoplite slash soccer player. I did meet a young lesbian who grew up a few streets away from me. She had been coming to the meetings quietly sitting in the corner and occasionally filling up her paper cup with instant coffee from the samovar. Her parents called her Sula but she introduced herself as Tass. She had fine white skin, the deepest blue eyes and a button nose. Her features were emphasised with a pageboy haircut that swept over the left side of her face. When Tass spoke, her vowels dropped three octaves and her consonants frizzled at the end. <laughs> at one of the meetings, the shoutings turned into dancing. All the gay men did the tzifte deli, and when we were tired from shaking our hips, we played the slower songs of the zebekikol. Tass got up off the chair and walked into the middle of the room. She mapped out the one-metre space. She would be dancing with her feet. The rest of us surrounded her. Some got on our knees and started clapping to the rhythm. She put her foot down with mourning, her hips were lonely, the body and its problems stayed anchored to the ground. 
Her arms extended out like the wings of an eagle, her soul trying to break free from the circular and limited movements. The Zebekikul is about mourning and loneliness, and only done by men. But Tass expressed heavy steps. We felt it, we felt her, and she danced as us. I asked her out on a friend date and we met at the Corinthian restaurant. It had been run by the same Greek family for the last 30 years. The Corinthian was there in the 80s when the Greek youth gang wars littered the streets with bloody knives and exploded gyroses. Back in the day when graffiti in Marrickville claimed that cops killed Thussels, the Corinthian opened every day, serving its casserole and lamb and taramosalata. We met out front and sat down opposite each other. Each table had a candle covered in glass that scattered light over the cloth. There were heavy arches that rose up the walls and curled over the ceiling. They had stucco on them to give the effect of blunt stalactites. The arches gave the place a feel of a cave. We ate and Tass told me stories. When Tass was a teenager, she walked into the kitchen with her new boy short haircut. Neither parent said anything. They heaped more green beans on her plate and they ate as a family. Once, when going to a cousin's christening at the church, Tass debuted pants and a collared shirt. Her mother looked up at her and gave her the car keys. Floating around the interactions were thought bubbles of expectations, expectations that she would have to take care of them into old age, pushing them down wheelchairs, down church aisles. She told me her story like a confession. Her voice increased in decibels and sharpened like iron bolts. Her big eyes opened more and her palm extended flat and hard as it chopped invisible bits of the air. Her voice was directed at me and for a second I looked around to see if it was reverbing onto any of the customers, but the other Greeks didn't notice. They chopped the air just as much as she did and I realised what I took for vibrancy was just people talking loudly. (laughs) I used my fork to scrape mints from the bottom of my plate and I asked Tass if she was ready to give up her own life to save theirs. It wasn't giving up life, she said, it was just a compromise. Tass told me the ritual that she undertook to put her mum's wheelchair in the car, rolling her next to the open passenger's door, sliding her feet off, her mum holding the car door as she swirled her body into the seat. She went to the Greek church on Sundays, finding parking and rolling her mum up the side ramp. She stood next to her mum while old men sung ancient hymns. When the priests went off topic and said that women wearing pants were poisoning society, old women with their heads covered in black scarves turned to look at Tass. When the priests went off topic and went on a rant against the homosexual influence in the Australian community, Tass stood stoically behind her mother's wheelchair and took a deep breath. Weren't you affected, I asked Tass. I felt bad, she said but only for the priest gay son. (laughs) I told Tass I needed a cigarette after the meal. I went outside onto Illawarra Road and a dry, viscous wind ran through me. All the shops had closed and the streets were empty. 
I stood close to the road and mapped out a one-metre space where I would stand in while I smoked the cigarette. Around me, cars, cars crawled along the street and doors slammed shut like people clapping. I swayed to the wind and smoked away, moving my hand up to my mouth in a repetitive and slow gesture. I exhaled the blue smoke and it rose to the sky and dispersed. Just as my cigarette ended, I flicked the bud onto the ground. The sole of my foot stepped heavily on the pavement to extinguish it and I extended both of my arms up as I spun around slowly to re-enter the Corinthian. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For tickets and dates, follow Queer Stories on Facebook. And for late-night ramblings and pictures of my dog, Frank, follow Maeve Marsden on Twitter. For discount tickets to my shows, as well as other perks, become a supporter of my work on crowdfunding platform Patreon for as little as $4 per month. Check out MaeveMarsden.com for more information. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.